Welcome, affiliated listeners, to another episode filmed not in the office, but at our home. Um, and I am joined with, honestly, a super exciting person that's going to, I'm just going to tell you right now, there is no way you leave this podcast today without a direct thing that you're going to be able to split test in your business that's going to improve it in ways you previously didn't think about. So already, like, you need to listen to this episode. You should understand why I'm so excited. And that's because we have one of the best leading CRO experts, where it is primarily e-com for now. He's not just an e-com specialist. He is a specialist is improving your funnel to get more sales and make more money without sacrificing chargebacks, refunds, and deception, right? Doing it for brands and been doing it for a long time. I'm talking about Matthew Stafford, not the amazing quarterback, instead the amazing entrepreneur, business owner with Build, Grow, Scale. Um, he's been doing amazing things for e-com companies, for a really, really long time. He's about to do something amazing for us, which is talk to us and share some of the secrets. Matthew, how are you doing today, man? Uh, doing great. Excited to Good. be here. Good. We are so excited to have you. So, um, and yeah, just really, really excited uh, to, to talk a little bit more, learn a little bit more. Uh, but before we kind of jump into some of the, the, split tests and things that you're seeing are making huge differences, big wins on people's carts, on their sales pages, all sorts of different locations. I'd love to just actually step back a little bit. You're a super interesting guy. Um, I, <laughs> you try and tell yourself you're not, but you're super interesting. And I'd love for you to just walk a little bit how you got to this mountaintop today to give us kind of the quick um, abridged version of um, you know being a baby and graduating, going to college, then finding yourself in this crazy online world of optimizing um, sales pages. Yeah, so um, early on, I had an affinity for drafting, architectural drafting. And so I went to college for that and thought that's what I was going to I have to, to pause do. for a second, Matt. How do you find yourself getting into a passion for, for drafting and like building up blueprints and buildings? I'm just always curious. I've met some people that have. I, I, I will tell you I never was, but I was always curious where that came from. And then we'll, we'll jump in there. Sorry to like derail too much, but. No, no, that's. That's fine. I, I think it had to do with my uh, seventh grade teacher. His name was Mr. Plume. And mm -hmm. uh, he just made the class a lot of fun and it was very creative. And uh, so I thought, you know, when I was drawing and, and essentially in my mind, I was building things. And so I thought that's what I was going to do. And I actually got two years on scholarship. Um, this will date me a little bit. It was right as AutoCAD was coming out, it was just being introduced. So we were still doing all the drawings by hand. And then oh man, right near the end is when AutoCAD was coming out. And it's nothing compared to what it is today. But anyways, all that to say, um, while I was going to college, I was also working for a friend of the family. And just as I was getting ready to graduate, he offered to sell me his business. And so um, I ended up taking that business over, buying it from him, and started growing it and uh yeah that was that was my introduction into entrepreneurialism and I never mm -hmm. looked back so I've, I've literally worked for myself uh my whole life uh and what was uh, that first business too that you bought over bought for it was so it was landscaping and seawalls and what seawalls are is uh we were in Holton Lake Michigan and so we had all these canals off of the big lakes and so you put walls in so that they can walk right up to the edge of the water. It's nice and clean, keeps the erosion from happening. So we did, you know, we did landscaping and seawalls. And through that, um, I hired a couple guys that knew how to do concrete. And um, I actually really fell in love with pouring driveways and patios and doing all that other mm -hmm. stuff. 
And so over the years, we kind of morphed into a concrete business and ended up uh, doing about two Walmarts a year. We do like a Home Depot, a Lowe's, several Menard stores, uh, really, really large um, flat work and concrete uh, parking lot pours. And then uh, 2008 happened. And when that bubble uh, started uh, creating the ripple, Walmart and everybody else, they started using us as their bank. So they would, because mm. we were doing the concrete, we'd be the first ones on the site besides the excavator. Excavator would be there, then we would show up. Um, we would do the work. And sometimes the store would literally be open before we got our first draw. So um, the risk versus reward uh, kind of switched because it was about a 30 to 45 day wait. And then it ended up, sometimes it'd be as many as six months. So it was just, ridiculous and uh that was hard on all the contractors including the general contractors so we had a general contractor default on us which meant that we didn't get paid and that just turned into a huge thing so we went from about 25 30 guys and downsized to about 15 and i liked it right there um Mm -hmm. started doing smaller stuff but i went to a tony robbins event and uh, he was selling a DVD series called Money Masters. And uh, so I bought it. And the first uh, DVD that I got was Frank Kern talking about selling an ebook on how to teach your parrot how to talk. <laughs> and I literally at that point, because um, I was in the construction world, I never used my computer for anything other than emails, sending FTP files. Back then, <laughs> online shopping wasn't really a, yeah. a big thing at all. And uh, just had no clue about that world. And then once I got into it, thought, wow, that's amazing. And so my first taste of actually um, doing that was I had bought a couple of brick and mortar salons too, because concrete in Michigan is seasonal. Mm-hmm. So we'd have three or four months of downtime. So during that time, I ended up acquiring a couple of brick and mortar salons and realized I had to learn how to send traffic to them. And mm. so I kind of figured out online pay-per-click and buying ads that way. And then um, that was working very well. And then uh, a site called Teespring came out. I don't know if you remember that or not. Mm -mm, It's essentially a t-shirt and you could put a design on them and then run ads to them and they would print and fulfill them and ship them out. And uh, I, okay, I, now I remember, now I remember. Yeah. Yep. So I got really good at that. I ended up selling in about a three and a half year period, about $15 million for the t-shirt. Dang, that's awesome. Yeah. And so uh, I was, I was hooked. I was like, all right, I'm gonna figure out how to do this full-time. <laughs> and, Way uh, more so, fun than waiting six months for Walmart to pay you. <laughs> so it's much so more we, fun. We sold the concrete business, sold the brick and mortar, and I've been online a hundred percent probably the last 10 yeah, a little over 10 years now. So um, that's crazy. That. Yeah, man. What, what, a, I mean, I can't imagine coming out of college going with like, Hey, drafting creative. Then you find yourself like, well, I guess I'm going to own a, you know, lawn, lawn care. And I, I guess the, sorry, the, the flood walls was a new term for me. I had not heard of that fully. So I was like, okay. Um, yeah. But, um, but in general, like still like, yeah, what, what a stark change. And it feels like it, that being said though, it feels like maybe, getting this online stuff felt a little bit more like home from what you were inspired by as a kid with kind of the creating stuff I'd imagine. Well, actually um, building, building buildings and like mm. still being able to drive by them and see them is pretty fun. Um, okay. 
you do everything online that's virtual and so you can't go like you don't drive by a site that you built or somebody that, mm, that's like, true there is a there is a little different there like you got to get adjusted to that mm -hmm. uh, but uh being in drafting and then being in construction like i had a really good understanding of the blueprints and all that and you know mm -hmm. the concrete guys your foundation's got to be spot on you know you have a 250,000 square foot building and when you're setting the anchor bolts, you got less than a quarter inch that you can be off. And so um, doing that and being very precise and, and making sure that those were good uh, was a lot of fun. We also, with those different uh, box stores, they have a, what's called a FFFL flatness for the floor. Um, mm. And it's all about safety. And uh, so mm. in a 10 foot area, you can only have one eighth inch of deviation and anything over that they'll start docking you or if it gets too bad they'll, they'll make you pull it out and repair it oh geez um so we got really really good at hitting very very high ffl numbers and then that's why they ended up you know hiring a skull around the country and poor farm stuff because we that was just i always tried to optimize i'm always trying to optimize we did that with their parking lots we have the largest pour um of a 3d parking lot is 97,000 square feet Dang. Um, yeah, 1,764 yards. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was Dude, that is huge. And like to do that with high levels of accuracy, I couldn't imagine, but I love that this is a perfect transition because you mentioned you always love to optimize. You just were an optimized minded person, which allowed you to have that high level precision in your past businesses. And I would question to say is helped you be very successful in your online businesses. So with that, let's kind of fast forward to today. Talk a little about build, grow, scale, and like what you guys are doing. A little bit about the business, and then, um, yeah, I'd love if we even we jump into maybe talking about some of the the optimizations that are getting you really excited right now because that's yeah. that's the stuff. Anytime I talk to you, I, I don't think I've ever walked away without something where I'm like, oh my gosh, what an amazing idea! I got to go do this now. So <laughs> I'm yeah. excited for that piece. Yeah. So um, think about that transition. Uh, it started, um, I had my own e-commerce store and I was really good at the ads from the t-shirts. Well, mm -hmm. Facebook back in the day, I mean, I think it's still, that's why I don't run ads anymore, but um, they were constantly up and down, up and down. So you'd have like great weeks or great months. And then all of a sudden, just for some reason, nothing would work. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just, I was kind of getting tired of that grind. And uh, I hired a guy sounds funny for a thousand dollars and he gave me like six coaching calls on google analytics <laughs> and, um back then it was literally all it was was enhanced ga and he just taught me how to go through and look at it and look at our data well i as i started going through that data i started finding like oh man like i had no clue about this or no clue about that we would fix it on the site and then our ads would do better and what I realized was everybody else was teaching Facebook ads, Facebook ads, traffic, traffic, traffic. And I was like, man, if I fix the site, I'm going to convert way higher. I'll be able to afford a lot more traffic than my competitors will. And so for me, I started working on the site and conversions and sales went up. And we realized like traffic's not really the problem. And that's when I started doing the math. Uh, and this is embarrassing, but it's seven, eight years ago. So it doesn't really matter. Um, I didn't understand like what caching on a site and all of that other stuff mm -hmm. was. 
So I thought my site was fast. Um, oh, okay. I looked at it and it was like a 13 second load time. He's like, no wonder you're not selling da, 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 da. And I'm like, what do you mean? And so he explained it. And so that was another learning curve. We went through, we got our load time below two seconds and, uh, instantly just like, you know, took off. And, uh, so it was just like being aware of being able to look through the data and start finding like slow pages, you know, uh, Dom time, what all that stuff meant. And as I learned that, um, we just basically took off with sales and ads worked like crazy. And during that time, cause our site was so slow, we had like a 90% bounce rate. Ooh, thought, yeah, wow. yeah. Cause at 13 seconds, man. Yeah. No wonder, no wonder we're not making any money, but I thought, mm -hmm. well, if I can drop that by 10%, double the number of people see my site because only 10, 10 people were seeing it. Now I, I drop it by 10%. Um, now twice as many, I cut my ad costs in half. Mm -hmm. And uh, so even by dropping it down below the two seconds, like it was like a five, six X on our sales and away we went. And then I was, then I was hooked. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And it, you know, we talk a lot too, that sometimes people it's, they get really focused on like a headline or a new intro to my VSL. And oftentimes that's like big, but I don't know how many people I'm surprised how many people don't touch test or think about their page load speeds. Yeah. Um, and how I spoke at Stefan Georgi's event and mm -hmm. uh, that's what I said. Uh, boost your copy conversion without changing a single word. And that's yeah. really what it was, was it's not the words on the page nine times out of 10. Um, it's probably really good copy. And if the site owner hasn't um, went through and looked at device devices, screen resolutions, things like that, if you're running a lot of traffic, like mm -hmm. if you have one Apple device that's not displaying right because they did an update and you haven't cleaned up your site, you just got rid of 30% of your potential clients, yeah. you know? And so we go through and fix all of that first and then we monitor it because uh, a lot of the low conversions is not bad copy. It's literally um, different devices don't display well. You know, Chrome does an update and you haven't like went in and cleaned it up so that it displays on the other devices. That That's a huge mm -hmm. deal with sites that are doing a lot, lot of volume. You know, gosh, I mean, how often like am I doing hearing or doing multi-device speed tests just to check and see how it works. Like what do you, so just as a quick question, as an almost an aside, how do you go about testing like the multiple devices, like these iPhones, I'm going to check this iPhone, I'm going to check Android, I'm going to check tablets. And like, I know I've used the Google one, but I'm, I'm curious where, where you, how you check that and how often you're checking it to see that everything looks good. Yeah, it, it really depends on how much work you're doing on the site. Um, we use browser stack because they actually use real devices. Mm, uh, okay. And so everything that we do, uh, we bug check it before it goes live. But uh, where you're going to look is in your Google Analytics. You're going to sort it by desktop, tablet, and um, mobile. Mm, your desktop okay. and your tablet should convert the same. Mm -hmm. If they don't, um, then there's there's room to improve there. And then mobile should convert about half as well as mobile and desktop. So yeah. if we don't see those numbers or, or something's off, that's the first thing that we'll go check is uh, we'll look at Android devices, we'll look at iOS, et cetera, and figure out where the discrepancy is. 
fix yeah. that. That usually takes care of it. And then from there, we'll move on to other stuff. But like, you're not even going to have a good test if, um, you know, iOS is predominantly uh, your buyers and 30% of them, it's not displaying right on their phone because yeah. it's not the plus version. And so um, everything's janky and you're trying to run a test and you're like, yeah, it's just not, you know, not winning. Well, yeah, but it you, could be, you're not really stuff. racing with all your legs kind of a thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, no, that's super interesting. I, again, I wouldn't have ever thought about that. And I think the speed test thing, it, it's, it's not like it's groundbreaking, but the amount of people that don't look at it or evaluate it is, is probably larger than it should be because it really matters. Um, yeah. Just, just to, if you give one tip, if there's like a common tip for people to look for, if they happen to have maybe a slower page, what, what's maybe one recommendation you just let people know um, to try and speed up their pages? Because um, I know there's a lot to it. Yeah, Google has an a insight tool, so you can just plug the URL in. Um, and you plug the URL of the page. So don't just put your homepage because then it's just going to tell you the speed on the homepage. Um, so you put the, I would put your highest visited pages in there mm -hmm. um, once a week or every other week. And uh, when, it, when it's done, it will give you like a report and in there is a waterfall report. You can just click it. Mm -hmm. And when it opens up, it'll show you all the things that are uh, server calls and you can find apps or different things. What happens a lot of times is if somebody installs something, doesn't work, and then they delete mm, it, it, there's still some code in the in the site. Mm -hmm. And so it's trying to make that call, but it can never make the connection. So it times out and all of that mm -hmm. stuff is slowing it down. So there's a lot of things there. Um, and just for clarity, uh, when I was talking about that, it's not just load time. It's also the way it displays on the device. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I was trying to make that distinction. Not only yeah. the way it looks, you know, that uh, obviously your design is showing up properly. Um, yeah. Had had something like that recently when I was looking at a sales page, went and looked at it on tablet, and like there was a headline that was way askew, and I was like, fix that. Um, so, yeah, or, but the body copy or something. Yeah, you know, I was like, this is yeah. super weird. <laughs> so I was like, just tell a developer. I don't, I don't know what, why that happened. Um, but no, I think just like that, using both in conjunction. It's like, so right now, what you should do is you should pause the podcast, go and do those two things <laughs> and then come back and hopefully you'll find out that everything's good. And if not, you now know a very quick fix um, that you could put in your business and get better results. So um, yeah, with that, I mean, you've already given tons of great, oh, was that? If you go into Google Analytics, um, there is a speed test right in there and they'll give it to you on all the pages and it'll be like red or green and show you. Uh, oh, nice. Simple. So yeah. If it's pretty accurate too. It's really good yeah, with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good to know. Beautiful. So I'm um, pause, go to GA and do your speed test. And then also get, what was the, what was the name of the other place that you look for the different devices? It was something stat. Uh, that's, that's in Google analytics too. It will give you device category, um, sizes, all of those things. Uh, and, uh, I'm pretty sure, uh, you can go to our blog and, and there'll be, um, some training on that, or, or at least okay. some years. So. Well, we'll, we'll be sure to try and get, uh, we'll reference the blog, um, in the, in the show notes too. So you guys can go and go and check that out as you pause and go do this right now. So, yeah. um, we're going to assume you returned after your successful test. And now Matt's going to give us even more. So, um, yeah, walk me through then. So right now, obviously speed test is a big one that made a huge difference for you and your yeah. business, which makes a lot of sense. And I think one of the other big things there is, um, 
sometimes to get cold traffic working, it is just marginal improvements on your conversion rate. The, the biggest things you could do in control is right there. Um, instead of just focusing so much on ads all the time, fix your sales page. I really thought that was a great message. So um, with that, right now, you've been you've seen so many different changes, so many different optimizations. Can you just list off a couple that got you really excited right now that you've done recently? You're like, oh man, this is like a home run hitter for sure, especially ones around the checkout section. Yeah, so I was actually going to say we have one that's been working for years that I want to share with your audience. Um, Ooh, because sounds great. Every single time I share it from platform, uh, I have somebody come up and tell me, oh, my God, like, I thought that was like such a simple way to do it. And by doing that, like it's made a big difference. So we always optimize from the back of the site or from the checkout forward, because mm -hmm. if we optimize the home page and make it awesome, but the checkout isn't optimized, then you're losing all of that money from those people that would be giving you money. So we always start at the back, fix the money page, and then everything else that we do moving towards the front of the site uh, generates more revenue. Mm. And so uh, one thing that I see on everybody's page is when they have to enter their information, it says email, address, um, you know, second address, city, state, and then phone number. Well, I, I, we check every form field and we monitor those to see what the, the error rates are and the error rates for the email and the phone number were terrible. Uh, like it was too, I want to say it's like 24 out of a hundred would be good. Like, so Ooh. people are really giving, you know, a lot of junky information mm -hmm. or, 24 out of a hundred were bad. Sorry. Oh, gotcha. I was going to yeah. say, I was like, so, dang, man, that is a quarter of your traffic. And yeah, so that's still huge. That's not yeah. tiny. Yeah. And so what we did was I used the theory of people don't mind giving you information. If you tell them why, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, like, Hey, do you mind if I cut in line? My kids are late for school and you let them go. And like, that's, they don't care. They don't mind giving you something. If you tell them why. And so in that email field, we put email for your order confirmation. Your order confirmation email is the most open email that you'll ever send. It has like an over 80% open rate. And when we did that, uh, we literally dropped our errors. It was in the single digits, low single digits. Wow. So we had a 20% increase in form field errors for the email just by doing that. And we thought, oh, well, let's see if we can get it better. Um, and tried a whole bunch of different things and never, we still haven't been able to beat that. So email required for your order confirmation is the text that we put in there and it works like crazy. That's um, awesome. For yeah. phone, we put required for shipping notifications. Mm. Uh, and we've tried all kinds of language in there too and can't beat this one that's the one that always wins and so it's what we always use now but we even tried um for shipping notifications we'll never call you and when we did that like the errors were like through the roof it was like a three or four hundred percent increase in errors and so uh we were like okay we introduced a problem that they hadn't thought about like no i don't want people calling me you know mm -hmm. but we 
kind of said something about it. And so that just, it, it blew it up. So. Yeah. Saying we won't call you and they're like, they're yeah. going to call me. No one says that just like, I'm not lying. I know you are politician, right? <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting. So yeah. So I had the reverse fix. So what did you do to get the increase the success rates on the phone, phone since the uh, required for shipping notifications is the and one just left works. it there. Say, so yeah, didn't put the yeah. do not call. That, that one works crazy good. So required for order confirmation and required for shipping notifications. And anybody knows that uh, anybody that's not collecting SMS now, um, the only reason why you want is if you don't like money, because yeah. uh, SMS is crazy good for it's the number one revenue source in the e-commerce stores that we. Yeah, well, it's it's basically 100% open rates. It's much more intimate. Um, yeah. You're gonna look at it. You know, yeah. it's I, definitely a fantastic channel. So, getting yeah. those getting those actual numbers successfully um, and that they input them correctly is is huge. So, no, I think I think that's really really. I, it's funny enough. The first time I think I heard this from you one time. I think it was the first time um, I saw you give a talk or is at our table. I can't remember what it was. I like literally message our head of UI. I was like, we should do this. This looks like, <laughs> like, right like here's the thing. So I'll send them this episode after it airs as well to make sure that we, we add it to our order form, but no, yeah, brilliant idea. Makes a ton that of sense. Same, that same mastermind that I shared it with uh, you guys, uh, Donnie French from mm -hmm. Performance Golf, uh, he went and implemented it on his store. And then about two months later, we started doing work for them in his, uh, technical guy is who I deal with. And he's like, Oh, you guys are the ones that told us about that. That was a huge lift. It was crazy because they do a lot of volume. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, a two, 3% lift in the, in your, um, checkout is amazing because yeah. you know, by volume, you're doing a lot more sales a year. Yeah. That's huge. Well, and again, just as a, as a behavioral thing, it makes a ton of sense too, right? We, we've seen it. I know, um, what is it? Rory McDonald talks about it in alchemy when they did it with like wait times. And so if you think about like when they were doing like train times, they said it's your train's going to be coming estimated around this time. It's estimated to be delayed for X number versus just putting delayed. When you just put delayed, people would lose their mind. They'd like go insane with rage. Then you put delayed for X amount of time huge difference because now people can make a decision if it mattered or not versus yeah, when you don't give that it matters to everyone it's all yeah. the bad news yeah yeah we have a lot of sites that um obviously are highly optimized so they make a lot of sales and during the different seasons we have to say you know due to the number of sales that we're making you know it may be as much as four five six seven days whatever sometimes two weeks mm -hmm. but yeah if you manage the expectation up front you, you keep a happy customer and they're fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. A expectations are so big and we forget about them far too often. So, um, well with that, you know, that's, that is an amazing one to tell you like yeah, huge lift already for the example you brought up with Donnie, um, but in revolution, but there's obviously a lot of other people that I'm sure has shared similar success with that. So, there you go. We don't need to say anything else. We will, but we don't. You've already given more than you deserve for great optimization tips. But we're going to move on to even more and over-deliver. So, Matt, give me another one that's just uh, tickling your fancy right now. All right. Yeah. So, we always call it um, like trying to nudge them to the next step. We're always yep. trying to get them to go to the next step. So, the, the color of your button doesn't really matter. Um, we've tested gobs and gobs of colors. What matters is that the button stands out from anything else on the page. 
and people don't like to click on something where they don't know where it's going to take them. So buy now or um, people put all different fancy stuff on there. They don't know, they, they have no idea exactly where that's going. And so what we've noticed makes, I always say little hinges swing big doors. <laughs> By making the text specific to the next step, it always increases the conversions on the button, which is, you know, to get them to take an action. So we use like on the homepage, we don't say buy now, they're not going to buy now. They're going to go to a, a product page. Um, and so it will put something like learn more or more options or see more or things like that, because then they're curious, oh, I'm gonna, I want to see more of this. And then when they're on the product page, we say add to cart. And when they're in the cart, we say proceed to checkout. And then when we're in the checkout, we say proceed to shipping. Uh, or continue to shipping and mm. all of that stuff is like you're literally just taking them to the next step and so when you tell them exactly where they're going they don't even have to think about it we could kind of just say we're just kind of greasing the skids so that it's just very smooth like we're not trying to trick them or deceive them or they don't have to question anything we say homer simpson it you know if it's simple enough that homer simpson will know then it's going to work and so yeah. literally just telling them the next step or the next page that they're going to go to uh, will increase people navigating through the site, getting to the next step. Yeah, again, it's very similar to human behavior trends, but yeah, we do not like uncertainty and creating that certainty. If anything, it's, just, it's, it's uh, an opportunity to project trust because if we say transparently you're going here and then it goes there, um, it all, it, funny enough, that level of trust means that people don't think they're being sold to. They feel like someone's recommending something to them or we're aligned. I'm not being deceived. So I think that's a, that's a huge one. And especially for direct response marketers out there listening, you already have a trust issue. <laughs> like your offer in general is an attack on trust. The little things like this, instead of a buy now, if it goes to enter payment details, right? Just something as simple as that could really change it. And I think that makes a ton of sense. What a, do you, so with, with doing that, did you see, um, do you guys, do you remember like an average conversion lift you saw from adjusting those names? Yeah, I, I know the largest one obviously is on the product page because that's the most, yeah. that. I think we got about a 17% bump. So, awesome. um, yeah, it was, it was actually significant. And then when we added like a little icon, um, we put a little arrow going forward. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those little arrows actually have, we've tested them over and over and taken them off and added them back and they make a difference. So um, we're pretty specific about all of that. That's cool. The other thing, another tip, uh, because I know your audience doesn't, I mean, so many people that are online don't want to answer a phone. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I'm not saying that you have to, obviously you'll make a lot more sales if you do, uh, but um, you can use a Google voice and put a phone number on your site. And it doesn't mean that your phone calls are going to go way up because it's just, they're going to leave a message and it's going to become an email to you. But them knowing that they can call you makes them feel better that they can get a hold of someone when, uh, you know, they spend their money with you. So one of the reasons why we know that is, uh, the most clicked on reviews is two star and below, mm -hmm. but those are the highest converting people on the site. So why would that be if, you know, we have to reason through this. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
they don't expect you to be perfect. What they expect you to do is when there's a problem that you take care of it. Mm. So, so we always have to the response on them, basically. Yep, they're reading the response. And if you take care of it, then they convert much higher than a normal person. Um, so they know, uh, you know, if all you push is five-star reviews, they're like, they're lying and they, they don't trust you. If mm-hmm. you have a phone number, even if it goes to Google Voice, they don't know that. Um, it feels better. It's a trust symbol. Okay, if I have an issue, I can call them. Totally different yeah. than emailing. So, yeah, um, no, that makes a huge difference. It goes to that trust factor again. And it's it kind of reminds me, we, we often see that people extend out refund terms and it lowers refunds. Um, yeah. I use this like the Nordstrom's example. Nordstrom's letting you return anything in any condition at any time did not hurt their business. And it's because most people don't want to return stuff. You know, we, we think about the rare few that are going to take advantage of that, but all the other people that bought and specifically went there and bought an item because they had no risk for what would come next. Very similar to this. Like I'm going to buy something, but I could see that they're going to take care of the mistakes. My, I feel more trust. I feel like we could go and do this and now I'm more willing to convert. So no, it makes a ton of sense. And um, yeah, no, it, it's a great one to make sure you always have that visible and available for sure. Yep. And we do. Uh, so the word free is awesome. People love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in physical product space, you, shipping is not free and so instead of saying free shipping uh we put we pay shipping and so when Mm. you think about that that change it's just a little shift but it's a paradigm shift of now you're oh they're doing something for me shipping isn't free uh because if they think oh well shipping's free it didn't cost anything they like they literally think that in their mind Mm -hmm. um you know, and we were like, yeah, you can return the product. You just have to pay the shipping. They're like, oh, well, if shipping was free. No, we paid it to get to you, you know? So uh, when you say we pay shipping, they're like, oh, wow, they're even paying for the shipping. And that actually boosted conversions too. And it's changed um, the customer uh, the customer service uh, requests are totally different from someone that says we pay shipping rather than free shipping. That's such a brilliant little adjustment too. Like again, like we pay shipping because you're right. I think you say free and it's free shipping everywhere, right? Like what Amazon has made it that way. It's free, free, free. Everywhere is free shipping. But like you said, yeah, it it's not, not free. You're paying for it somewhere. So, um, you know, with Amazon, it's probably in your monthly rates that you pay every single month. And, you know, for most people, you're paying it for an increased product price. Uh, but I really love the we pay shipping to create transparency in what you're doing. And like you said, yeah, it transforms the value um, to not free, but somebody else is paying it for you. Um, Definitely changes that value for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, the way that I address it is if if you're selling to a person, person to person, you get to communicate with them. But as soon as you go online, you're selling something, your website or your store is your conversation with your customer. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at it, not from like, how do I sell them? How do I sell them from coming from the customer's perspective? How do I get what I want? Uh, Totally different, totally different uh, personality on the site. So you're Mm -hmm. trying to be helpful and make things really easy and super simple compared to just buy, 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 buy. And Mm -hmm. what you see is like a huge difference when the owner makes that little shift in their mentality of how they look at their site, they'll mm-hmm. see things 
very different. Go to it as a customer, try to find what you're trying to buy. Like we do user testing nonstop, which is our number one way to find gold. But uh, go to it as a customer, not as the store owner trying to sell more. Um, mm -hmm. When you're trying to sell more, it feels salesy. When you're trying to help them or they come and you make it really easy for them to find what they want and just guide them to the next step. It doesn't feel yeah. like they're being sold. Yeah, it's facilitating commerce, right? I'm giving you what you want in an easy way, even though you might not have asked for that. I'm, you, you know, you want it, and they're like, "Yeah, okay, I do. Let's make it easy. Don't oversell me." No, yeah, no. I think that that's really, really great. And again, you can't do that without building a lot of trust. So I think these trust ads that you're putting in there with transparency all line up into that same idea that you know you don't need to hard sell if you could build trust other ways. Um, yeah. And hard selling tends to also lead to a lot of regret um, and, and you're not going to create that same buyer's remorse period that, you know, or buyer's remorse emotion that I imagine a lot of these other offers do. So, um, yeah, so that, that reminds me of a test we're running right now. So I'll share it with you. Cause oh, awesome. Um, when you talk about trust, uh, people, a lot of times think like, oh, well, there's no trust online, there's no trust. And so they like overload their site with, oh, we take credit card, we do this, we have Norton, we have, McVirus or all these different things. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen is the more that you shout, we're trustworthy, we're trustworthy, um, the more it makes them doubt that you're trustworthy. And so um, we've eliminated 98% uh, of those symbols and we put in custom ones uh, that uh, work much better. So we make sure that they talk to the ideal audience and answer a question that they might have in their head right then. Oh, so if nice. it's like, if it's like a product page and it's add to cart, um, one of them could be shipped within 48 hours. Um, mm. Another one, like we have a second amendment site. And so one of the UVP icons, it says melt snowflakes, guaranteed to melt snowflakes. Mm -hmm. um, and so like it, it's, it's talking to their audience and it's like giving them a little bit of humor and they're like, oh, I mm -hmm. like these made in the USA. Stuff like that matters way more than you saying, oh, we take Discover, American Express, JCB, and all these other ones. Like they, they make that assumption, but yeah. people have done it for so long. They just like, oh, that's what we do. And you can take all of these different elements on the page and turn them over into where they feel like they know, like, and trust you uh, because you're, you're like them. And yeah, uh, you'll see a, a huge difference. So we, Especially for something that's just become dead space on your cart. Like, that's not doing anything. So that's, yeah, that's we're awesome. Doing it, we're doing it on the checkout right now um, for Donnie, and we're averaging a 2% lift. So on the checkout, that's good. And it's just changing those symbols. That's awesome. And it's such an easy fix, too. I love that. I love that a lot. So um, super, super cool. Well, I actually think you gave a ton of great ones. And I actually had a couple other questions I want to ask you before we go. Um, and I know we're getting close on time. So we're just going to ask two more questions and then I'll give everybody an opportunity to, if they'd like to work with you, they'd like to hear more, get on the blog, just for you to tell them how, how to follow you. Um, one of the first questions I have is actually, I, I think a big one that we hear a lot of people talk about from the direct response side, from the e-com side, but is oftentimes how these two marketing strategies blend together. We feel like the white whale in marketing is the emergence of these two realms. And a lot of what you're talking about reminds me a lot of like 
direct response and nudge tactics, or at least conversion-minded tactics. Um, so I'm really curious from someone like you who sees both sides of the world is, is really working in between, what your opinion is on the like the emergence of um, e-com and direct response coming together. Like in your ideal, what parts are we taking from e-com and what parts are we taking from direct response to make yeah. this magic whale occur? Great question. And uh, it was actually one of your clients was the very first person that we started working with um, that we proved out this hybrid model. Um, it was Organifi. And so they were running 20, $25 million through their funnel. Um, mm -hmm. that was selling on ClickBank. And then their e-com store was kind of just there. Like they were making money in the funnel and the store was basically, it looked like a yard sale. I mean, they literally had <laughs> a product on the homepage, a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. And the year that we started helping them, they had done like 25 million in their funnel and their store did like 2.7 million. Mm -hmm. And so in 90 days of us cleaning that up, they weren't even running traffic to it. We had them on an $8.2 million run rate. Um, they ended up doing 16 million that year with their store. So what people don't realize is, um, well, they do realize, but they don't understand the downside to it. When you're doing the direct response, um, part of the reason you can make it work is because you, you are controlling the entire process. And mm -hmm. so you have all your numbers, you figure it out. But what about all those people that fall off and didn't want to buy exactly what you have? You have other stuff that you can sell them. Well, they had probiotics and two or three other juices and, yep. you know, some different turmeric and things like that. But their green juice funnel was just killing it. And so when we fixed the store, all those people that were customers, now they could go shop and see all their stuff and buy a whole bunch more rather than just be forced to do that same funnel over and over and over. And so yeah. that was, that, that was a big aha for us. So when we see people doing really, really well in funnels, we know that if we create a store that has their product offering that they can use for email marketing, um, SMS, et cetera, uh, a lot of people don't want to go back through that funnel where you're going to tell them, Hey, you buy one, three, six, whatever. And then we're going to also put in continuity. You can just go to the store and shop. And that turns out to be a much better experience than trying to shop through a funnel. And uh, if you go to our homepage on buildgirlscale.com, you'll see Drew's testimonial. He kind of walks through the, the numbers and the increases um, awesome. what they were by cleaning up the store. Now, I, I love that because I think that's that really highlights, I think, where we see that blend is Direct response is great acquisition. They could acquire yeah. better than e-com brands can. Yeah, they 100%. way faster, way more supercharged. But man, once you get that customer, what you do with them next, there's a huge gap there. And having yeah. that e-com presence that's well optimized creates a perfect experience where you can get hyper growth, acquire fast, retain and flourish in a great e-com model, as well as then still, you're gonna get the other acquisition through e-com as well. It's not to say yeah. that- much, much higher LTV. You yeah. know, the people buying from you once or twice, now they'll buy from you month after month or at least year over year. Yeah, yep. much higher LTV. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. So at first, that's one thing, again, if you have a business right now, you're doing great with acquisition and you have no e-com backend whatsoever, you're yeah. missing a lot of great LTV. You are working so much harder than you need to. Um, not to say that's don't, don't stop working hard. I'm just saying 
Put that work well, towards. I mean, you've already paid for the acquisition, even if they yeah. didn't buy from you there. Now you get you own the email or you own their, you know, the pixel. Get them over to your site where they can shop yeah. and buy the things that they want instead of just what you were guessing that they would want. Yeah, yeah, because obviously they cared enough to watch something, right? So yeah. they're. they're yeah. They're engaged in some way, shape, or form. So that's a, that's a brilliant one. Um, so the second question is actually just more of a, a curiosity. You know, we know that we've seen, at least in our industry, over the last quarter of Q1, the tail end going into now Q2, um, we've seen some real changes and conversions have really gotten more difficult. Scaling through paid media has gotten more difficult with increased costs and, again, lower conversions. Um, so we're definitely seeing a lot of trends going on in this world. But from the e-com perspective, what are kind of some of the trends or things that you're seeing that you anticipate big changes or bit of big effects happening um, for the rest of the year in the e-com world? I would say we're seeing the same right now. It's not it's not just direct response. So that makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, we're, we're definitely seeing it too. Uh, really, I think this happens every few years is kind of the market cleans up because when it's really good, uh, you have everybody that thinks they're a business owner now is out there slinging stuff and selling it and doing a really crappy job a lot of times or selling just garbage. And so it gets, it gets bloated and nasty and this really kind of cleans out all those people that don't have a back end, um, if, cause it's so much harder to be profitable on the front end. Now, uh, the, the brands that we work with, uh, if they don't have to be profitable on the front end, or they can be really close to break even, uh, those mm -hmm. are the ones that can keep scaling, keep buying, keep building, but they have to have a way to nurture the customer. They take good care of them. They have good customer service, all the things that you have to do. If, if you're, if you're don't want to ever talk to a customer and all you want to do is acquire leads on the front end, that's okay. That's a business model, but you'll make far, far less than the ones who um, have that hybrid model where the person isn't just forced to go through one way, but they literally get to shop your entire catalog. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And it seems like, um, you know, just kind of building off that too, a little bit more is like, you're working so hard to get that lead. You're spending so much and you're so limited without the LTV in the yeah. back end. Uh, and really it leads you to the, that if you don't have the e-com store for some high quality, long standing LTV, you're basically just squeezing the rinds of your lemonade, right? To just get every last drop through aggressively monetizing in the email. Um, yeah, and no, that's that's in order to do that, you gotta market kind of slimy to get it. Yeah, you gotta be pretty aggressive. So then you get yeah. stuck in this cycle of aggression. So if you're ever yeah. looking to break out of that, like e-com is, is a necessity. Like you really need to have a place for people to buy and not be sold if that makes sense so um no i think that's a brilliant brilliant answer and honestly this was just again if you did not walk away with this with something that's going to improve your business um at least improve your funnel and conversion rates you just weren't listening so there are plenty of things in there really really appreciate the time now i know we have scratched the surface on information that you give out data that you give out um, findings you give out like this is like a sneeze and they're all the overall like spectrum of information you have so you mentioned the Build to Grow Scale blog. Are there any other places? How could people learn more, learn more from you, or even get in contact with you and your team? Yeah, so uh, it's buildgrowscale.com. Um, my email is matt at buildgrowscale.com, and that comes to me. So um, I love to meet people, happy to 
talk to someone, a lot of times what we'll do is uh, we'll just jump on a call and do a site audit. We'll just kind of walk through. I'll look at your site and tell you things that I see. Uh, typically, that's enough, you know, to set off a couple of light bulb moments that they're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I never <laughs> thought about it that way. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then they can, you know, choose to do business with us or buy a product or whatever. So. Beautiful, beautiful. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes um, below. I don't want to take too much more time. I know we were hitting up in the hour that you had for us, but this was fan freaking tastic. Really appreciate it, Matt. Um, and hopefully, get to see you sometime soon. But um, until then, people, please rate, review, subscribe, keep listening to the podcast. Please take one of the tests. You don't have to do all of them. You should, but take one of them. Give them a try today, and follow Matt and his team at Build Grow Scale. There's some really exciting things that I can't tell you that are coming out too that you're talking to me about that you need to be plugged in so you could be there when it happens because it's going to be super exciting. Um, with that, also I always like to mention like we want to hear from you. If there's anything out there that you've it's a burning question that hasn't been unanswered, if there's somebody that you have always wanted to hear an interview from about a certain subject, just comment, email us, put a comment on any of the videos. We do look at that stuff and we use it directly to guide who we might interview or what kind of conversation we might have next. Until you listen to that next conversation, though, um, if Thomas is here, he'd tell you happy scaling. But I'm just going to say you, tell you, say you, sorry, I'm going to use improper English now. I'm going to tell you, uh, be safe out there. And until next time, thanks so much. Bye.